Hi, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Junie, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions on anything said in this podcast or future podcasts. should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in AMD, Costco, NVIDIA, Shopify, and Target. Thank you. All right. Uh, how has everybody been? Uh, I've been really well. Um, and that might be like a bit of an understatement, too. Um, I've been really, really good. Today, we're going to talk about... Um, you know, what went well for the last year uh, in 2022 and what didn't go as well as I expected in 2022. Uh, and then we're going to go into my short-term plans and maybe long-term plans for 2023 and forward for Theta Gang and just like personal stuff. So if you're not really into this type of episode, like definitely skip this one. This one's going to be more of like a reflection, very, very heavy on like the website stuff. Um, but if you're in for it and if you want to hear just some life updates from me, um, then stick around. Uh, I quickly looked at earnings. Uh, there are zero earnings that you should be even thinking of playing, uh, this week. So I'm not, I'm not going to mention any of them. Um, so yeah, let's just get into the episode. Okay. And so for 2022, uh, I was down $17,000 in a 237.5k well just round that down just to be even more i guess like report it more bad um i was down 17k uh on a 237k portfolio and then that puts me down 7.17 percent for the year uh in 2020 i was up uh 50 percent in 2021 i was up 49 percent and this year I am down officially, or for, you know, for 2022, down officially 7.17%. So I wish I could have came out green um, this year. Uh, something that I have really learned is that like, uh, if I had chased to become green, there were many moments this year where I could have became a lot more red. Um, this year has taught me patience more than any other, um, strictly because um, the down wave for COVID, even though I was you know, ass- assigned 80K worth of stock, a lot of it was on the, um, a lot of it was backed by the massive rally we had after. That was very swift. So, you know, during the COVID rally, I've kind of learned that like, hey, you really got to do handle your sort of like max loss scenario. And in that case, that was me getting assigned on three options. Um, that was worth $80,000. Um, but then you also have to learn to pivot. Um, and, and you have to really learn to make your, like sort of your stance. Had I gotten assigned 80K worth of stock and then been scared and sold at the bottom, that would have been a life-changing amount of money that would have just been evaporated. Uh, money that I would not have been able to invest in 2021 the following year uh, and then money that I wouldn't have gotten the 49% gain on the following year. So it's super important you make the right decisions as many times as you can um, because there are going to be times where you get very lucky. There are going to be times where you make very skillful trades. But regardless, uh, if you can make many smart moves in sequence, uh, those moves snowball. Ooh, I did this take six times now. Oh, it's just so hard to 
explain this point um, without sounding too generic. Um, I was going to say in 2022, one of the biggest lessons I learned was patience. But, you know, after reflecting and talking about it in the podcast, it kind of, you know, it started making less sense to me than, you know, kind of being able to pivot something I learned back in 2020. So in 2020, um, I was pretty bullish from the get go. But after the crash happened, I got really scared. Um, I very heavily debated on selling my stock for an for a huge loss at the bottom when I got assigned 80k worth of stock. Um, but you know, I chose to pivot and chose to say like, hey, you know what, the stock market is going to go up eventually. I had no idea it was going to go up that fast. Um, but it's going to go back up eventually, and we'll be all, we'll all be fine. And you know, all of this is recorded. Like you can go back to my. Um, you, you like literally the, my podcasts are dated. You could go back to April of 2020 or March of 2020, whenever those uh, podcasts started. I was just I was scared, sure, but I was just so optimistically bullish that things would get back to normal, and you know we'll we'll make it as a race. We'll 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 you know we'll be fine in the end, and that was my sort of pivot. Um, in 2022, I pivoted a bit too late. Um, I think I was optimistically bullish, um, a little bit too optimistically, and my trading style did not sort of change. And I think that's, in retrospect, that's kind of a good thing because now I could reflect on that and then I can see that trading style like really not work as well as I wanted to, um, having been like an entire year of doing it in 2022. Um, but what I could have done better is started becoming a little bit more patient or pivoting earlier. So that's kind of where the patience and pivoting um, starts to mold here into like one cohesive idea. Had I started trading less earlier and noticed that, hey, things really are not um, as, you know, as bullish as they could be right now, um, then, you know, I probably need to trade less quicker. I need to be able to develop that sort of game sense quicker. Um, previously, um, like in the October 2018 crash, um, when the market crashed really quickly and then, you know, obviously rebounded really quickly too, uh, I was in that as well. Um, but I was not as lucky as I was in 2020 where I had learned, you know, what holding on through a crash sort of feels like. And so, um, I took a pretty big loss it, relative. It is, it, I think it was like 10 or 12 K loss. Um, but this was back in 2018, so that kind of, that that felt like a lot more money to me at least. Um, but having felt that and going to 2020, it helped me just you know pivot a little bit sooner on my ideas of just being more bullish and sticking with the plan. Um, that kind of uh, sort of led me to having 2022, uh, me feeling a little bit um, a, a little bit slow on sort of the pivot, but except this pivot would be on the way down. So this was a new, particularly new experience for me, um, experiencing a bear market and being an active trader throughout all the bear market. Um, you know, a lot of people say that they take breaks and stuff, which I think is really good. If you took a break this year, you probably saved yourself money um, because there were a lot of mistakes and a lot of openings to make mistakes this year. Um, but, you know, I wanted to just keep on trading. I think this is a really fun hobby. I like to keep it fun. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I'm just super glad that you know I've I've been able to talk through it all. Uh, I've been able to share my trades with, uh, through it all, and then this would be a really cool data point for me to reflect on later in case of this sort of environment ever pops up again. But here we go. You know, it's the new year. Just you know, you want to take a deep. <sighs> Sometimes you just need one of those. Um, Michael Burry, uh, you know, in terms of in terms of like the stock market, says that inflation's peaked. Um, he tweeted this January first of this year in 2023, so just yesterday. Um, he tweets, uh, but it is not the last peak of this cycle. We are likely to see CPI lower, possibly negative in second half of 2023, and the U.S. in recession uh, by any definition. Uh, Fed will cut and government will stimulate, and we will have another inflation spike. It's not hard. So uh, take take of that which you will. I have no idea where we're going to go. Uh, but I am still in the mode of being optimistically bullish, just having changed my strategy to a more of a Buffett kind of strategy. Um, as you heard earlier in the podcast in my intro, I'm in a lot more stocks than I usually am. You know, usually when I say my intro, I usually just say AMD or I might just say Nvidia. Sometimes I might just say Costco. But I am invested in AMD, Costco, Nvidia, Target, and Shopify. These are all companies that either have like a really good CEO or companies that I shop at or companies that I use. So I feel good um, continuing to dollar cost average on these companies. And taking a moment to reflect Right, like I was down um, 7.17%, um, so we'll just say 7.2. SPY for 2022 was down 19.95%. Uh, QQQ was down 33.7%. So there's a pretty big difference in my uh, percentage down versus you know SPY or QQQ. So I'm happy about that. I wish I could have been green. But this is sort of the sort of like the simple men's logic that kind of gets me um, in the mode to continue to dollar cost average, because if I know that I my portfolio uh, is beating SPY and QQQ, there's no real reason for me to stop because as soon as QQQ and SPY go up, my portfolio also benefits as well. Now that might sound also super simple, but I do a lot of things to kind of make that simple. For example, if you were invested into a lot of meme stock, a lot of penny stocks, a lot of SPACs, a lot of really anything that's super volatile and doesn't really follow the trend of QQQ and SPY, you wouldn't be able to sort of um, put that same logic to your portfolio. So when it comes to my portfolio, if I'm already performing um, better than QQQ and SPY, and those stocks I'm in are also in QQQ and SPY and are, you know, considered blue chip, I should be better in the long run. I should do better in the long run if the market ever does go up. Um, and that is still the bet, right? Like we all invest, we all trade stocks with a very small, slight house edge in our favor, right? That, that's, what, that's what I believe. I genuinely think we're in favor. It's just that we mess it up. We are very emotional people. And uh, we're not robots like the algorithms are. Um, and so a lot of people get scared and sell at bottoms and stuff. 
Um, but in the long run, if you really zoom out, no matter how big the drops are, the market does go up. And I would say that most people that listen to this podcast, your timelines are long enough. Um, my average demographic it like caps out at like 40 years old. You have a lot of years before 65. Um, but you know, I, I don't want to also sound like the boring person to tell you that you should just put all your money to the stock market. If you want to enjoy your money, life is short. You might die tomorrow. You might die the next day after that. So just make sure you know you do what you want with your money in terms of like you know balancing for the future and having fun now. I want you to have a very fulfilling and happy life. Happy New Year's, by the way. I don't think I said that yet. Um, but uh, yeah, so just, you know, when you're reading the news to start off the year, you know, everyone's pretty much burnt out, right? Like we just had a lot of holiday parties. Maybe, you know, you hung out with tons of friends or maybe you just hung out with some family or maybe you just hung out, you know, by yourself, like chilling, vibing on your own. Um, you've just seen news articles just fight for your attention. Um, the news outlets are pretty short on news. Uh, beginning of the year and so there's gonna be a lot of headlines trying to get your attention so just be aware of that and try to be patient but be willing to pivot right um it's not the type of uh you know time period to say uh go all in because you just uh took a break for a few months and said like okay this is a new year new me i'm just gonna put all my money in and just keep it there because that sort of logic doesn't really work out in the end either. You eventually take it out for some reason, whether it be a vacation, some some item you want to buy, or you want to move it to another portfolio or something. Something makes you realize the loss. Um, so what you can do is something that I've talked about pretty recently, and it's like my dollar cost averaging um, strategy where you buy shares in increments of 12, 13, 25, 50, and 100, just depending on you know how red the day is, how you're feeling, but at least this gives you some sort of plan um, of just like the intervals that you buy in. If you decide like, hey, I'm gonna start dollar cost averaging and you don't really necessarily have a plan, um, you, you're gonna fall off the plan there's there's many tools on your favorite brokers to do some sort of like weekly buy-in and whatnot or weekly um deposit <laughs> i just played the poker on uh on new year's eve so <laughs> that's why i said buy-in um but yeah um you you're wanting to get on some sort of schedule of some or some sort of plan if your brokerage app um or brokerage only lets you put in like say for example an amount of money and not necessarily buy shares a specific stock uh, every week then you know put that on a weekly cadence on a smaller amount just get used to your money coming out um, and then when you start investing that money um, you don't necessarily have to invest all of it right away um, just you know buy an increment of a, of a smaller increment it could be increments of 10 maybe you do 10 buys up to 100 what I personally suggest and I'm extremely biased in this because this is the only strategy that I use. Uh, but it has beaten SPY and QQQ three years in a row. Now, now that you know, uh, now that the now that that's out, right? Down seven point one seven percent trading only Thadian style. I think a lot of people rush um, to 
get to 100 shares or something so they can sell a cover call or they might not trade a particular stock because you can't sell cover calls on it because you won't you won't be able to have enough to buy 100 of but because right now is a great time period to be patient right now could be the start of where you start investing to own the 100 shares of something that you thought you couldn't really save up for that you didn't want to save up for because there's opportunity elsewhere where you can buy a cheaper stock and sell covered covered <laughs> or covered call there so um you know consider dollar cost averaging slowly uh in january see where the market heads from here um there's gonna be again lots of new sources uh fighting for your attention and just be wary and what i want to do real quick i want to go to thetagame.com slash juni and I want to share with you all kind of like how long it took for me to build even just like not even like three fourths of my position. But for Costco, I started dollar cost averaging Costco on December 5th, 2022, um, which is really only about a month. But I'm 63% there. I have 63 shares. Um, uh, for my Costco position, I initially bought 25 shares at Costco. And then about a week later, I bought 13 shares. Um, two days later, I bought uh, 12 shares. And then another week later, I bought 13 shares. Um, you see, it's not like a regular sort of cadence for me. These are more than likely just red days where I just felt like, hey, Costco's at a decent price. I could dollar cost average here a little bit. Um, but I do have a plan that will get me to 100 shares eventually. I, there's a good chance I'll be buying some Costco stock in January um, to finish off my 100 shares. Um, but this is the sort of thing that I do for all of my positions um, as of late uh, because I'm trying to not get too much of my capital tied up into this downward trend when I could afford to be more um, flexible, I guess, or I could be more patient than the next person. I don't have to make a home run play um, uh, say like next week, like I don't need that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh, shout out to uh, Wall Street Bets days. But um, yeah, uh, just kind of showing how you can like easily ladder into stock positions and that's dollar cost averaging in a nutshell. Okay, uh, I wanna move on now uh, from my portfolio to my website. Um, in 2022, uh, we started off with how many users? About 17,000 users, 17,025. And in 2023, uh, we gained about 1,200 uh, users. We ended the year with uh, 18,221. So the graph is very linear very low the slope of y equals mx plus b is very very small um but it did grow so we have a thousand new people uh, from earlier this year we have on average like 20 people signing up um per week like we have 20 new friends signing up per week uh and we have around 300 to 500 trades uh uploaded every week as well um, back in 2021, we had like 4,000 uh, trades 
uh, uploaded in a given week, uh, but more realistically like 3,000. So we're about like 10x bottom from where we were when we peaked in 2021. Um, that's when everyone was in the stock market. Literally everyone was talking about stocks. Everyone wanted to learn about options. Uh, but we have very steady, we have been on a very steady amount of signups and people since July 2022. So if you're a user right now, uh, you are either probably a power user or someone new. Um, and I just can't tell for certain with the SQL queries I wrote probably like two years ago um, with who's who. Uh, but I would definitely say we're at a level where the website is definitely in a matured state. Um, I like where V2 or the current version is at right now. And I feel comfortable with it just sitting there and growing and you know getting as many people's attention as possible in the state that it's in. Um, but V3, the current version that I'm working on right now, uh, has so many improvements over v2 um, first off it's server-side generated uh, so it's going to cache for SEO related purposes or search engine optimizations a lot better um, if I could explain in like the most ungeekiest way possible to someone that doesn't understand what this kind of means when it's something server-side rendered um, ThetaGang.com right now, when you go to it, everyone looks at the same copy. Like everyone looks at the same exact file and it's just up to that file to determine what you see. Um, in V3, server-side rendering, when you request to see the page, I'm giving you basically a personalized version of the page. And I'm also giving Google a personalized version of the page so that you know, you go to um, thetagain.com when it's on version 3 slash Junie, there's going to be a really good chance on Google, you're going to be able to type in thetagain Junie and you're going to see my profile in one of the listings for um, Google. Right now, that's not really possible. Whenever someone goes to thetagain.com, it's literally just thetagain.com. Whether if you go to thetagain.com slash Junie, thetagain.com slash Arfman slash uh, you know, M. Hayden slash slow motion slash MMS slash past bedtime slash literally anybody else slash could put. I'm just like naming, naming names at this point. Um, but it's when you go to those sites, when they're server side generated uh, or, or server side rendered and served to you, that's when Google starts picking up on those um, requests and is able to list those in the Google listings. It's always been a pet peeve of mine when I figured out like too late in V2's development that like, oh, I actually can't have um, this single page app have like indexed profile pages. So it was a huge bummer, uh, but I kind of went along anyway because there was just so much hype um, around dating.com. Again, you know, we peaked in about like first month of second quarter of 2021, or yeah, 2021. And I was just like heads down coding. Now I really get to take my time and get in all the features that I want. Um, I mean, there there are so many ideas that are on the table right now, um, and I've already built like a really good foundation for everything. I'm just trying to see what kind of meshes well together. Right now, the site 
is in its like it's in its deciding time i don't know exactly what the style of the site will land on i'm pretty darn close but like for example i want patrons to be able to have like colored frames like that sounds so weird but like when you see a patron's trade i want the borders of their trades to be like cool colors or like a gradient um that they can pick or something um and then maybe not even patron exclusive but for people that help around on the website or people that help out i could give them titles like um i don't know a junie comma the fisherman and then you don't necessarily need to change your username but i give you a title and it's like you know major comma the cowboy or something like that you know so i want to be able to do cool stuff like that um uh going forward like i think where i've started to find the gang's identity is being this niche group of really positive minded people that want to see each other grow and not necessarily um oh god this sounding so soft <laughs> like it's just like a positive community i i even have down right here in my trello board um my top priority for this week is finalizing my mission statement like i i never believed in that stuff i really didn't um but i've had i think three interviews with tastyworks now helping them like kind of flesh out their um you know their target audience and all that stuff uh and i've been interviewed and i've always been asked like why do you do this you know it seems like it takes a lot of time and it seems like a lot of work that you're doing kind of for free um and you know i always i always 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 talk about alex kearns but i don't have a clear and concise way to articulate it like every time i was asked the question i would bring up alex kearns i would i would tell them that like there's a lot of um negative people in the space um and that there most people only talk about winners and all this stuff uh but i wanted theta gang to sort of help that and I think in the early vision of ThetaGang.com, I was very, um, I was very disappointed in just like what I was seeing from sort of like the fintech community as of late, and I just really wanted to be like a good example of someone that just showed all their trades, like kind of no matter what. I think that sort of style is very, um, very hardcore. Like not hardcore as in like oh it's so sick, but like hardcore as in like. It's not casual enough or friendly enough for most people. So when I'm coding V3 and I'm putting all these implementations in, I'm trying to have it be like a good place for you to actually learn how to start everything. I think, you know, I talk a lot about my strategy and I always say like, oh, you know, all my trades are up on thetagame.com slash juni. But you might go to thetagame.com slash juni and you might not understand anything. You're like, what is a cash secured put? Like, what is a covered call? So I want there to be like a central place where people can casually and safely learn about all this um i've also talked about like how it, you know fintech is not really a safe as safe of a place as a, i'd like it to be for like women in the industry or for whatever you identify that's not male it's very male dominated there's a lot of like not so great things like i would love to be a hub for you know hey 
you know oh you have a daughter like there's a there's like a cool positive environment where they can learn about finance where they won't get like mansplained everything there's like there's cool illustrations maybe or there's like really you know simple uh diagrams or explanations that isn't quite like investopedia but it's a little bit dumber than that just because i'm really dumb and i need to i need to have things done down for me on that from that website from time to time so i have this totally new vision for v3 and i the the hardest part for me personally is that i've done everything i i coded every single line of v2 and v1 I coded every single thing, whether it be like the meta headers, navigation strategy, um, or the assets, the CDN, the like all of the DNS stuff that Major has also helped me with from time to time, and from friendly other people that have helped me with some email delegation and stuff. But when it comes to coding and the vision and the architecture, like I did it all, and I'm trying my darndest the bestest to not have v3 be too similar to v2 v3 i really want to imagine it in a new light that's more beginner friendly and just a real breeze to interact with and i want it to be fast and i want it to be very iterable so i'm trying to do the bare minimum the fastest i can to get it into everyone's hands so they could use a very vanilla version of it and then i'll continue iterating from there um, like one key example is notifications. Notifications on V2 or the current version is very, very, very primitive. Like I don't group notifications together. If someone wanted to notify you 20 times, they would just post your name on 20 trades and you get 20 notifications. I don't do any grouping. I don't do any topics, uh, aggregation or anything. Um, but that's because I wanted to just get it out really quickly. I did notifications in like a day and a half um, because that's really the only time that I had, I guess, during that time. Uh, and I wanted to get everyone's hands. Everyone was so happy when I did it. But now that I have V2 and it's just there, it just exists. People are using it. People are happy with it. Um, I'm coding V3 and trying to really take, a, like pick a pick and choose apart. Is that the phrase? You pick and choose you yep, take apart, you deconstruct. Um, I'm trying to deconstruct the website and really choose the best parts of it to bring into V3 and then just reimagine it in a more beginner-friendly way. And in terms of current events or the very current things that have been happening with V3, um, just got done with sort of like handling the navigation and the mobile responsiveness of the V3 website. Mobile will load a lot faster on V3 uh, because of the server-side rendering. Um, I think mobile users, and it's really crazy. Theadagame.com is 50-50 down the middle. Um, I have around 600 people visiting this site every week, 600 unique people, and 50% use mobile and 50% use desktop. So, you know, gone are the days where I thought, you know, I would just like maybe make some stuff mobile friendly. But no, um, mobile, I code everything inside the mobile window essentially and everything outside the mobile window is a bonus so i'm really trying to look out for you all um, that love inputting trades uh, on mobile um, this week i want to um i basically want to finish being able to add a trade 
Um, adding a trade before, or I mean, I guess currently on V2, you opens up a modal and you put in whatever the input is and you click next. Power users do not like that because they don't like having to click next. Um, and so uh, some really common feedback has been uh, making the add a trade uh, a form so that you can quickly tab through all the fields and stuff and then um, get your notes jotted down and then just quickly enter the trade. I agree with that now. I previously thought that was not a good idea because it might be input fatigue. You might just see a lot of inputs and you might not want to do it. Um, but I am more in favor of helping sort of like the power users out right now um, while being as beginner friendly as possible. I think I'm willing to make the trade off for V3 of being a little bit less beginner friendly in a sense that like maybe uh, one input at a time might be too slow, but I'm gonna try and make the add a trade form uh, as simple as possible, but it will be a form this time around and you'll be able to tab through um, and input everything. Then after that, I have to kind of trick out uh, everyone's profile page. Um, profiles right now uh, look very bad in V2. I'm just for being like some sort of place to kind of show off, you know, what your trading style is and what you like. I really don't do a good job of like kind of tailoring the datagang.com experience to you. So that's kind of why I thought about adding cool titles or adding like um, cool frames for the patrons and stuff for when they upload a trade. And maybe there will be something on their um, uh, profile pages that's a little bit different as well. Um, but yeah, just totally thought that was um, something cool um, that I would do. And so essentially all that's really left is again, the add trade form, being able to view all the trades on a profile page. So I need to create a profile page as well. Um, all the other stuff isn't as necessary um, because this is really the root of everything. Um, some things that really would make the sort of experience better um, I thought would be like a wiki, like a Theta Gang wiki, wiki.thetagang.com or something like that, uh, where traders and people can help out put definitions and examples of something um, on their own terms. Uh, that's something that I think I want to provide. Uh, think of like Urban Dictionary, but for finance, but on thetagang.com. Um, and then uh, I think what would be even a better move would be something that teaches you the definitions along the way. If I could like somehow embed this sort of like definition system into like when you add a trade, like maybe it'll pull from the database or the table from where the definitions are held. You wanna open a cover call, you select cover call and there's the example and definition there if you have tooltips enabled or so something like that, right? Like I'm trying to figure out you know, would beginners look at the wiki? You know, is a wiki just like a cool thing? Investopedia already exists. Like, is this really necessary? Like, does this really help me more than like re-implementing my notification system, you know? Um, so always like a balance between what I have to choose my time to work on. Um, but as you can tell, not a whole lot left before this is released. Uh, I thought maybe I could release it prior to um, 2023, but 
there was just way too much. I thought maybe there was a chance that V3 was more of like an iteration of V2, but it is a full upgrade and a f entire rewrite of literally everything. So I don't quite have a, a better ETA for it yet, um, but I am having a lot of fun, a lot of fun that you know I kind of want to reflect on in this last section of the podcast on my personal stuff that went well and what didn't go as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next section. <laughs> okay, so I don't have that much time left, but maybe that's a good thing so I don't ramble on forever. Um, 2022, uh, personally, looking back, I think was a, like a really good year. If I'm being, if I'm speaking honestly from a very grateful standpoint, 2022 was a very, very great year. Uh, 2020 was good and so was 2021, um, but it just wasn't as, I guess, calm as 2022. Um, 2022 was a year of like, like just being grateful that my parents were starting to feel a bit better. We'll, we'll get into my parents just a little bit later, but in 2020, I made a whole lot of money. In 2021, I made a whole lot of money, but it didn't feel good. Just like knowing that like my mom was like super sick um, and not feeling good. Um, and while I did, you know, talk about it frequently, uh, and like bring it up, um, it still was, I think really taxing, um, just on me in general, not to say like, I'm the one that's, you know, Oh, you know, your mom was sick. So why are you, why are you feeling it's, it's tough. Um, when your mom, uh, is not feeling so good, but I mean, now my mom is way better like she still has her bad days but there are fractions of what they used to be before because um she used to have to go to the emergency room like once every two days there was there were some weeks where she had to go to the emergency room for a shot of ativan like every day uh for like two weeks um and then it became just like too expensive and we had to deal with it at home it was just like it was so so chaotic um, for those that don't know, my mom has had very, very bad COVID-related anxiety. Not that she had COVID, but because COVID got her laid off from her job and she's she's been a workaholic her entire life. Like, that's how she kind of expresses her love, too. Like, instead of... Well, she, she'll tell me that she loves me. But for, like, other people, for, like, uh, other family members or maybe for, um, some family friends or something, she'll give money to. She won't ever say, like, oh, I love you or something. She'll just give give them money. And that's how she expresses her love because she had put in so many hours into her work and her craft. Um, and that's, you know, her being, like, a server, basically, uh, for, you know, two decades, three decades. Um, and so she'll give out money and stuff. Um and you can kind of see where I have like my sort of passion and why it's around sort of money because I was raised by my mom and I was taught to be responsible with my money and kind of like um, just be prepared for whatever might happen, be safer. And I think a lot of my tendencies of like 
playing safer and playing for the long run kind of resonate with uh, kind of resonates with me more. Um, and I'm starting to see more parallels to that in my life where, you know, in any sort of style of video game, I've, I've mentioned this a whole bunch of times, but this is really, you know, something that I think is from my mom is my mom isn't the person to like win necessarily. She's the one that just stick, sticks there the longest. And I think I get a lot of my blue white player tendencies from my mom where if I can just stick it through to the end, I'll eventually win. And winning isn't a huge big deal. But, you know, I'll do everything that I can to just survive and then, you know, hopefully uh, maybe win the match at the end. Um, and Theta Game Style Strategies, it's the same sort of, like, pathway there, too. As long as I just keep on trading and not blow up, and eventually the market will go up, uh, and I'm dollar-cost averaging slowly, I'm writing cash-secured puts that are very much a price that I would love to actually dollar-cost average at. Maybe I'm actually dollar-cost averaging in bulks of 100. Then it really is a win-win situation, and that's something that I like to really set myself up for. Um, so how this how this all relates my mom has been doing a lot better and the focus lately has been on my stepdad um my stepdad earlier this year like very early this year got his blood test that was also a huge deal my dad or my stepdad does does not like needles like he will cry and literally and pass out um before a, a syringe gets in his skin so um that's been that was a huge thing when he got his first blood test and then his a1c level was 13 um that that is a high score brother um oh no my mom's a1c was 13 his was 16 his a1c is now at seven which is still not great it's just not amazing but is way better than 16 um and you know, a lot of that had to do with him uh, cutting out his daily box of Oreos or his daily candy. And, you know, maybe some of you are like, wow, how could you let your parents do that? You know, how could you let your parents A1C get that high? And it's really because they're adults. Like, you reach a certain point in your life. Um, and for those that are older than me, uh, definitely know what I'm talking about. But, you know, I have like high school kids basically uh, sometimes listen to the podcast. So, your, your parents are adults, and that sounds so obvious, but adults do adult things because they're adults, and they know better than everyone else because they've gotten this far in their life, and they know that they've stayed alive basically till this point, so everything was fine. Um, but as the blood test shows, as everyone should do, um, you know, maybe this year make it a goal to get a blood test or something. Um, the blood tests showed that they had extreme diabetes and needed to do something. My stepdad, uh, after taking out carbs from his diet, um, or the can the extra carbs, I'm talking like the candies, the, 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 the chips, the sodas, um, he, he's gotten, I, I think depressed. Um, some of like myself, you know, some things I like keep to myself that I think about often is like I, I sort of think uh, he was eating because he was depressed. Um, and, you know, the dopamine when you eat kind of keeps you not like joyous, happy, but the I mean, the chemicals shooting into your brain do something, you know, and his A1C leveled down uh, all the way to like six and um 
or I mean, initially it was like nine or eight. Uh, and then we start, I started noticing that when I would call him, he would just not sound happy at all. Like, despite my mom sounding great, right? Like, here's my mom. And my mom was super anxious, super sad all the time. And um, it would just be a burden to my stepdad because, you know, he would have to take care of her. It's very exhausting. It's very, um, I mean, and this sounds super mean, but it's just the truth. I think not a lot of people talk about this enough. When someone's very anxious and very um, stressed out, it stresses you out. It's, it's like stresses the family out. It's like a huge thing. And so I would think when my mom was better, my stepdad would be better. But my stepdad actually got worse. It's like my stepdad and my mom almost traded places. Um, but I actually attribute that to the lack of dopamine that my stepdad was basically getting from eating chips and cookies all throughout the day and then capping the night with like two huge scoops of ice cream. And this is every night. So lately it's been, okay, how do we get the A1C level down to like six or lower? Um, and then it's been a huge thing about handling his neuropathy, which is like pain that develops on your outer extremities because, you know, the nerve vessels get damaged when your blood sugar is too high for too long. And so, um, it's, it's been hard getting him to walk. It's been hard for him to eat normal things. He used to justify like eating a bagel with peanut butter and saying, oh, it's a great source of protein and fiber. And while I agree that's great for like a healthy individual that's probably listening to this podcast, it's not a great meal. Like I'm talking about an entire meal. It's not a great meal for someone that's diabetic. So I've gotten, so I went home last week, um, or not, not last week, I'm like so flustered. I went home like last month um, for three weeks and I did all the grocery shopping. I got them all the stuff that they needed to start kind of eating better and um doing better and that includes like jackets and vests and beanies for like both of them because they they live in a pretty cold area like 50 60 which is not i guess not that cold to some people but for my parents it's pretty cold so i got them that stuff because there there'd be a lot of days where they choose not to walk because it's just too cold outside so i was like okay i'm gonna get you all the things you need to start walking um but there would be many times where my stepdad's like oh you know what i'm just my feet hurt every time I walk and it's just, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, but then because I was there, you know, there would be a lot of moments where I'd be like, am I wasting my time? Like I just, I, I looked him in the eye. I was like, Hey, I love you. I want to see you at my wedding. I want you to raise your grandkids. And I, I'm asking you like right now, Rob, am I, am I wasting my time? And there'll be, there'll be, there'll be minutes, I mean, minutes of just us looking at each other and we both just like start crying. And then he would put on his socks. He'd put, it's like, it's like a movie. It's, I can't, I can't explain it any other way. Um, but that's just, that's just how I can connect to my stepdad. And that's how I also connect to my mom. It's like, we just can speak inside of our heads just looking at each other and we both know what the right move is it's just we've all been through so much that it just takes some really close intimate time to get them to get their foot in the door aka for rob or for my stepdad is to put the socks on 
get your shoes on, get out the door. <laughs> um, and so we, we would walk, we would walk, we would walk to the mailbox and back. And then we had this system where we'd walk to the mailbox and then two of those blocks of the sidewalks and then back into the house every day. And then we would walk two more blocks, like two blocks. I'm not talking about blocks as in neighborhoods of blocks, like two squares of the sidewalk more each day until we would do like a full loop around the block. And we, we did this in very small increments. I told him like, hey, it's not about running that mile in the first day. It's about just like taking the, taking your, putting your uh, foot in the shoes and stepping outside. We did that on the first day. I just to make a point, like I said, hey, we're just gonna put on your shoes and we're gonna walk out in the driveway and walk back. Because this isn't about necessarily um, distance. It's about getting the habit of doing it. So we first day walk out to the um, to the to the driveway and then back. The second day was mailbox and back, and then from there it was the um, two squares of the sidewalk. After that, so now when I call, I say. Hey, did you did you and Oma walk today? He's he's like, yeah. I, was, I would ask like, how much? He's like, oh, two times. And I'm like, what? What do you mean two times? And he said two times around the block, which is huge. And he used to weigh 125, and now he weighs 130, um, which was another thing because he was like, why am I not gaining weight? You know, I barely eat. You know, I should be gaining weight. And I'm just talking about like, oh my goodness, it's a lot of his muscles. Um, kind of withered away and it's just about rebuilding it eating better uh, and when I mentioned that he uh, I went grocery shopping for my uh, him and my mom I got him a low carb wrap it's basically what I eat before I go to um, before I do like a comp or a competition in jujitsu I bought him and my mom a whole bunch of low carb wraps uh, egg and bacon and some cheese to put on it too uh, and so it's very low on the carbs, but very high in the protein, much higher than a baked potato with butter that he would eat as a meal, right? So he used to eat peanut butter bagel with, uh, yeah, that's what we call it, a peanut butter bagel. Um, he used to eat that or a baked potato with butter or two Eggo waffles or uh, a salad with a whole bunch of like dressing, like, I, I don't know like he thought he was eating healthy and stuff but it goes to show that nutrition isn't widely known you know like if, if for our parents generation um or for my parents generation i'm not gonna say our because i don't know necessarily which demographic i'm talking to right now but my parents generation the one that's born in like the 50s and 60s um it's it's not that common for them to actually know what's good for them what's not uh, and that's how they kind of end up in that situation um, so with all that work, you know, of, you know, getting my stepdad to start walking again and whatnot, he's at the very tail end of the year in November and December, you know, when I visited, he's been doing a lot better. Um, and I think the biggest lesson that I've learned from helping my parents through all of this is, is like, it's very hard. Like I, whenever someone says that they have to take care of their mom or dad or something, I don't like really brush it off anymore. I, I take a, a mental pause. I'm like, dang, okay. So yeah, you, you didn't have like a relaxing really weekend. And um, yeah, there's, there's more to it than just, oh, I got to help out my, uh, my mom and dad. Um, oh man, I remember trying to convince him to eat a Chobani yogurt. And he would just say like, oh man, every time before, you know, when I was eating unhealthy, I would eat a yogurt and it would give me a headache. 
And I was just like, oh, it's probably because you're dehydrated from all the sugar you're eating, and you just you just don't want to eat dairy. I, I don't know. He would eat ice cream too, but anyway, convinced to eat Chobani yogurt, and now his favorite yogurt and favorite food in the world is the cherry and blueberry flavored Chobani yogurt. It's so frustrating. That man, oh, I love him. I love him to death. He he raised me. I moved in with him um, with my mom when I was five. We've had a lot of good memories. Um, oh man, it is it is something though when you are trying to help someone and they and you know it will work. You know it will help, but they keep saying no. And something that I, yeah, one more thing like the the biggest thing for my parents that I learned is. When my parents say that it's okay, or like they don't want it, or they don't, they'll get it next time. I literally have to go and do it for them because they just sit there and just don't do it. Like they don't, they'll say that, oh, we'll start eating healthier like tomorrow or next week. Oh, we'll start walking like next week. Oh, we'll do this. A lot of that is probably. I don't know. It could be from depression. It could be from the, you know, just the wisdom that they have where they think they know everything and they know how to start everything. But, um, yeah, something something I reflected on, too, in 2022 was, like, man, I put a lot of energy into helping people that I don't even know. Um, and that that statement... Um, that statement kind of like helped me in like I'd say like later in 2021 it helped me really put more and more time into my parents because yeah I did I, I have put in a lot of effort to like make the podcast keep going um the the website still going uh the live stream still going um but something i've come to more in terms with is i can't do everything at full speed um like i used to uh, my living situation now is better like i love where i live i love who i live with um but it is different and i do have to allocate my time differently now um, because I have other priorities, like a girlfriend, like I can't just like kind of dedicate like um, the I don't know like the two hours or three hours I do for the podcast um, or the uh, the live stream like every every weekday on a particular time. Our schedules are pretty busy, and we do more more or less like sporadic things because we just don't know quite when we both will have time off together. Um, so I noticed that there was just like a lot of conflicts with the podcast and the, um, the live stream where, you know, maybe I would want to work on the website, but maybe also I'd want to like call my parents at that particular time all while, you know, I have a new job. So I've had a new job since, uh, beginning of quarter four, uh, that I really like that I've put in a lot of energy into as well. Um, so it's all about finding the balance. Um, like I mentioned earlier, maybe like the, uh, the biggest thing that I learned in 2022 was balancing between, um, being in the right position and pivoting, right. Um, or patience and pivoting, um, this year for 2023, 
it's about prioritizing. I've been pretty good about prioritizing in my life in general. I think a lot of it slipped when I got a lot of momentum for ThetaGain.com. Now it's about taking all the positive gain that I've gotten through, um, you know, running the website, live streaming, podcasting, um, uh, you know, coding, job, girlfriend, work, uh, friends, new hobbies, uh, all this stuff. It's about finding the priority of everything. And right now, I can say that V3 and Thetaing, it brings me a lot of joy. Like, I feel really, really good when I'm coding V3 of Thetaing. I don't particularly, like, find coding a random project right now fun. I really only feel the fun in coding when I'm, say, for example, working the 9 to 5 on some other projects like that's related to work or V3. Um, the podcast, still really fun to do, and I love doing it, but it just competes with a lot of time that I usually allocate some part of my weekend to that I can't quite do as often as I used to before in 2020 and 2021, primarily because of my new living situation, which is better i i would say the place that i live in is much better uh it's i can be a lot louder i could be a lot quieter i could uh it's just a better place um but uh right now um there are other time commitments that i have to sort of maintain uh because i am choosing to prioritize uh a few more things but to say that uh i'm not canceling the podcast or the live stream uh, instead, for 2023, the schedule that I'll stick to is whenever I have time. Uh, if there's like a huge event that I want to maybe talk about, maybe I upload like a 10-minute podcast just talking about my thoughts on it or um, maybe um, some other extraneous event that only happened like really recently. Maybe I'll make a podcast on that too. Um, and then as well as the live stream. Um, right now... I was thinking that I would maybe code uh, on the live stream like I did for a lot of the V2, but there's just too many things that I'm like signing up for, a lot of credentials that I'm like sharing on my screen that I don't want to accidentally like kind of like uh, share in that. I just, I just feel like it's more of a liability than um, a cool thing right now, but maybe when it's more mature and I know for sure that I could be safe doing it, um, it would be better. Um, what else? What else? Uh I guess more for just lastly, I guess, because this has been really long. Thank you for listening this far, by the way. Um, personal goals. I have been getting so much better at jiu-jitsu in the last like month and a half. And I'll, I'm seeing a lot of my, uh, my jiu-jitsu improve from focusing on just... To be specific, for anyone that does jiu-jitsu, I am getting a lot better i i i cannot i i can't express with enough um positivity at all um so this is definitely underestimating uh, the amount that i've gone better but i've gone so much so much better by making everything tighter like when you're drilling an arm bar you make sure that you crunch the shoulder in with your thighs even though it's super tiring and it's like annoying to do and you're drilling partner might not like as much or if you're practicing triangles you make everything as tight as possible and when you're drilling or not drilling when you're rolling 
every move you make, make it purposeful. Like right now I'm a blue belt. I'm pretty sure I'm like close to my purple, but I don't really care. Like if I were to roll right now, um, I've, I'd feel really confident that I'm blue. And I remember feeling this when I was white uh, or white belt and I was, I was promoted pretty soon after that too. But right now, I feel like I've opened up a whole new chapter of my jiu-jitsu game primarily because I'm just making everything tighter and more polished. And it, it's really been showing a lot of people have been complimenting me on my jiu-jitsu, which is not something that I would particularly gloat about except when I actually really want to get good at something. Like when I put my mind to getting better at something, when I just don't do it for fun, and someone compliments me on it, I, that's those are my favorite compliments, right? Like um, like a month and a half ago, I noticed like, hey, the year's almost over, we're going to go on holiday break. Like I'm, you know, I might just like skip like December and November because I'm gonna go home with my family anyway. I'm not getting that much better. Um, or not that I'm not getting much better, but you know, what's there to learn and stuff. But I started just like, for like the last two weeks before I left for home, I just started for really no apparent reason. I just decided like, hey, I want to be great at jujitsu. Like I want to be really, really good. And so what I focused on was starting to just be more polished, be tighter, even even if it like makes you more tired, right? That's that's I think the key thing that's helping me get from like the blue belt level to the purple belt level is be better at the details and going forward into this economy because i always want to relate everything to the boring economy um if you're the person at work that knows the details that knows how to do everything that's job security right not saying that we're in trouble of being laid off and whatnot um, but people recognize the people that are truly senior uh there's a lot of senior titles going around there's a lot of title inflation because of all the SPACs, all the startups, all the things. But people notice skill. People don't really notice what your Slack title says. People don't really notice you know, what you call yourself. But when someone does something or someone you know, is doing some sort of, I don't know, maybe you fixed something that was down in production. Maybe you're the one in the fast food drive-thru that, you know, put two fries in the fryer instead of one because the line is so long and you kept the line going. Like people know when you're the person that keeps it going. So be that guy or be that girl, right? Like be that person um, for 2023. Like don't be afraid to try hard uh, at something that you really want to become great at. Um, I mean, there are times where you have to think about like why you want to be great at that one thing, right? You got to make sure you're not living out your parents' dream. You're living out your own dream, you know, all that, all that stereotypical movie stuff. Um, but if you have a hobby that you really like and you really want to be great at it, you could be really great at it. Like be, be amazing. Have fun with it. Like this year can be your year if you want it to be. The last lesson that I learned, and I really have to get going. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm literally going to be late for jiu-jitsu, actually. But um, I think this is just super important. Um, the very last lesson that I learned in 2022, um, and that I'll leave off the podcast with, is that like words are super powerful. Um, some of, some of the, 
are like the last things I say in my car before I step onto the mat in jiu-jitsu is that I'm gonna be great today. I'm gonna be great. I'm gonna tap many people. I'm gonna roll to the end and I'm not gonna get tapped and all this stuff. I say all these words of affirmation. That's what the hip young millennials and Gen Z call it. Um, but I think it actually works. I used to not be a believer in all of that. Um, but I have seen in 2022 um, like a huge rise in like self-deprecating humor. Um, and I think it's funny, you know, like when Kevin Hart first came out with uh, his first legendary set, I thought it was hilarious. And I still think he's hilarious. I still think self-deprecating humor is hilarious. But when you speak of those jokes enough times, uh, personally, me, Junie, I think though some of the truths and whatever you say can arise. So when you are about to do something for the first time or you're about to um, you know, try really hard at something, you know, say that you're gonna do a great job. Like I, I tell my girlfriend all the time that you know, she gets nervous whenever she starts to do a root canal because she's a new, newer dentist. My dad's very seasoned, so when he does my root canal, or he did my root canal, it was done in like 20 minutes. Had she had done it, it'd probably take, take like an hour 30 or something. Um, but, you know, instead of thinking, oh, I, you know, I'm not really good at root canals, um, but I'm gonna try my best. Instead of saying, starting off with anything negative, why, why even think that negative in the first place? You know, why even, why even mention to yourself that you're not really good, but you're gonna try your best? Say that you are the best and you're gonna ask for help when you need it, but you're the best person on this job because you went and studied really hard and you deserve this, right? And this is just like a small conversation that me and my girlfriend had like in the car, like on the way to like a New Year's party. And I think it really, I think it really connected. It's something that I've personally been doing where you know, I, I'm, I've caught myself tons of times in this year talking about some, something similar to that in jiu-jitsu where it's like, man, I really wish I was more knowledgeable in more positions and stuff so I knew how to get out. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to try not to get tapped today. I've flipped that into um, saying, like, I'm great at jiu-jitsu. I'm going to tap everybody that I roll with today. In a friendly manner, of course, right? But having that sort of mind shift focus by verbalizing it as it's it's so real like i that's the it's the most gen z it's the most soft millennial thing i think i've ever subscribed to but if, if it works for me i'm just mentioning it here for that it might work for you so next time you do something a little bit out of the norm a little scary or maybe you're doing something that you're not particularly good at say just say it. It may be in your head, but I personally, when I'm a, you know, before that's why I do it in my car, not before I step on the mat. I personally say, I'm great at jujitsu. I'm gonna tap everyone that I roll with today, and then, boom! I drink my pre-workout. I get out of the car and I walk in. I dap everybody up. I say hey, and then it's just, it's golden. It's golden from there. And I'm excited for the new year. Um, I have about like three minutes to walk out my door, so I'm probably gonna just stop this podcast recording and then upload it when I get home. But uh, I do wish everybody a fantastic January um, and a fantastic first week. Um, and uh, know when you're listening to this, I am working my nine to five, most likely. 
Um, and I'm thinking about, yeah. <laughs> huge, 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 huge shout out to my patrons, Arfman, Averillion, Andy V, Can't Make Money, IRL, Chicken Dinner, Empty Cans, Fancy Wolf, Grand Pound 85, JZN, Kaput, Lazy Reservist, Leo Jessen, Lord Skeletor, Maestro XC, Maltman1856, McFly, Jon Snow, M. Hayden, Mike D, Mitch Brady 7, Mods, Mr. Integrity, Passion Bedtime, Rooster, Rustier, Seneca, Shifty, Slow Motion, Statistically Random, Symmetrix, The Jester, Theater Ray, Upstream Puddle, and Ensis88. Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year, and I'll see everybody next time. Bye-bye.